0: they were, O'Driscoll, oh, Corgan, extra man, is Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! <laughs> Let's have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll oh, through oh, the oh. legs, Rob Carney out to Fitzgerald again, step and score!
2: Well, the Six Nations has reached its halfway point, and Ireland are still in title contention after last weekend's win over Italy, although the circumstances were a little bit farcical after the Italians were reduced to 13 men during the first half, but Andy Farrell's men still got a 50-plus point victory. That's two wins from three now. France still topped, though, with three wins from three after beating Scotland over the weekend. Luke, still all to play for the French, probably in the box seat, but uh, it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks. Yeah, it is. And it's still all to play for
0: Ireland, I think, as well. I mean, that's a tough fixture the France have at the end of the comp uh, against England, who I think aren't playing well. But I think the longer it goes on, you'd have to think, you know, Eddie Jones is an excellent coach. He'll Hopefully, I think they've got issues with strategy and identity. And I think that he'll probably resolve them over time uh, because I think there's so much depth in England and uh, and quality. Um, so I think they would get a, get that right. I think that will be a difficult proposition for France um, in, in three weeks' time. Um, so it's still all to play for I think Ireland are in a good position I think England are very it's a nice time to get them I don't think they're playing great I think as I said I think they're still struggling to figure out how to play and look Ireland were mixed and haven't played well so far themselves either um, but um, I still think we're we're in a better place in terms of how we want to play than England and I think when Johnny Sexton back in in, in the pocket I think we're, um, we're definitely better for that and I think we'll be a better team and I think we're a pretty tough opposition um, to 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 play against, and I think we will improve. Um, with with him in there, so yeah. Look, I I'm I'm still, you know, still think Ireland have a great chance. I think there's loads to play for. I think that's a good points differential against Italy that could help in the you know when it comes down to because I think we will beat Scotland at home, and um yeah still very very exciting and look the, the championship is 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 it's still a great format isn't it? i still think it's a brilliant brilliant competition like it's it's one of the only things one of the only competitions i still watch every single game regardless of who's playing i just love it. it's 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 so well put together and the teams are so close and know each other so well um so yeah would you like to see because
2: africa added to it has it been mooted in recent weeks
0: i saw that yeah i'm not opposed to it actually i think um You know, look, I would like to see Italy improve. Like, I think they they blood they need a win. Like, or or there needs to be some kind of relegation thing. But like, I don't know, does that then completely, you know, um, like where does Italian rugby go from there if they're not in this in the Six Nations? Like, they could get completely decimated, you know, and, and never find a way back to the top table. So I don't know if that's right either. Uh, adding adding South Africa, yeah, look, I think it could be great for the competition, but look, does that really ruin Southern Hemisphere rugby? It probably does. Um, problem for them is that I think the, the travel requirements for them are really, really onerous, sitting right in the middle of all the time zones, and it makes a really difficult competition for them. Um, but they're, uh, to my mind, in a little bit of a, a situation where there's just like Australia, rugby seems to be dying a little bit over there, can't seem to gather an audience, Um you know, uh, New Zealand seem to just kind of power through every year. I mean, look, South Africa are very close to them, but it's such a difficult travel for them. I just feel like it's... I feel like they're dying to get up to the Six Nations because it's a way easier schedule for them. Um, and, it's of course, it, it's actually a better competition. that's where all the money is, too. So, um, yeah, I think they would add something, but it would take away something from, you know, the Southern Hemisphere, which isn't good either. You know, we need that to be strong, for the global game to be strong. So I don't know what the solution is, Um do we stay as is, um, you know, and, and, and revert to type? Or do we try something new? Like, I think, you know, a broader competition, um, you know, is probably a better solution than adding just South Africa. But then what's the point in having the World Cup? And does that lose then a little bit of the, the, the kind of shine? So um, no easy answer for it. Um, I think they'll keep looking because when you have, you know, uh, private money involved, I think they'll be looking for ways to maximize revenue and to, to get eyeballs on the game no bad thing but as long as we we, we don't lose out on you know rugby has, doesn't have enough teams that compete for the competitions um as it is so if we really take away from two of the powerhouses australia and new zealand like that's not good either so um it's a there's no easy answer to it but um we wait and see um you know you'd hate to lose italy as well they, they have brought something to competition but they do need a bloody win
2: yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how that develops over the next couple of years. I think the current deal is up in, in, until 2025, which is Africa in the Rugby Championship, and then after that, it will be interesting to see how it develops. But for now, we're going to discuss the Six Nations. I'm delighted to have Ian Madigan back on the show. Ian, how are you? Very good. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Yeah, no, always good to have you on. Get get your get your take on, on, on what's going on uh, in in rugby. So Ireland 57, Italy six, two wins from three now as we reach the midpoint. Obviously, the game after the red card became. You know, pretty disjointed to say the least. But but overall, you know, what what was your kind of takeaway from, from how Ireland played?
1: Yeah, I was down at the game and um I was also at the at the Welsh game and I, I, I was very, very impressed with the performance against Wales. Um I just thought the way we moved the point of contact, um, how we challenged the Welsh defenders, we made it really, really tough for them. we just looked really in control from minute one to minute eighty. Oh, the the Italian game was was scrappy, and um, I think I think they'll be pretty disappointed with how it panned out. Now, there are definitely elements within that that actually made it hard for us. So when you're defending or when you're attacking against thirteen, it just you know players do things that they wouldn't normally do. There's like a, a desperation about them, and you know fair play to the to the Italians. I thought they did did a really good job, and. In, in, trying to keep the score uh down but what let us down was our patience you know i think when you're playing against 13 you don't need to force risky passes or force offloads um or go to kind of low percentage kicks and um we saw all of them really from the irish team
2: yeah lucas you know the obviously a 50 point win on paper you know, you, you take that, obviously, with them, as Ian mentioned, going down to 13 so early for Italy in Ireland, maybe not capitalising as much as people thought. And the reaction has been kind of that they should have maybe put up a bigger score. I saw Keane Tracy, was on the show quite a bit, saying, you know, what would the All Blacks have done playing 13 men for 60 minutes? And if you know, so that's where we're kind of rating this Ireland team? Like, so how would you assess the performance based on maybe that and what Ian was saying?
0: Yeah, like, I think you can get drawn into that game that Ian was kind of, uh, Ian mentioned, people making bad decisions, people trying to, Probably getting ahead of themselves, you know, trying to, you know, put up a big score, you know, when there's 13 on the pitch that, you know, likely that that, that's going to happen. The issue for me is that people get their mindset wrong with this. I feel like it's a real time to nearly tighten up and really punish them. You can commit an extra number to those inside rooks. And pretty much guarantee ball and just launch people through gaps. Um, and you saw when Ireland actually did some of those things when they punched holes in the kind of tighter areas or in the middle of the pitch, without trying to go too wide too early, they ran in some really really easy scores. Like that's what it looks like. Some of those tries are what it, what it really should look like when you know you're playing against thirteen men. And um, as Ian said, I thought they kicked a little bit sloppy. Um, interestingly, I actually thought there was a lot of similarities with the French game in terms of the handling um, errors. And I think people overrunning um, the ball. I thought there was loads of that going on. People, you know, probably that mindset that Ian was talking about, that that lack of patience, um, because there was holes there, you know, and there was people getting half gaps. There was offload opportunities because we were winning the contact zone and um, people just forced things just a little bit too early and there was no need to do those things so uh, yeah my thoughts on the game sloppy just a you know quick synopsis just just sloppy really and um i think disappointing i thought um you know i think this team has evolved and i think it's it's okay for us to say these things after a 50 55 point win um they should be expecting like i was thinking you know 70 80 was probably what they should have been targeting really. And anything below that, I think is, is you know, was always going to be disappointing. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, you know, they have a lot to work on now coming in because England are kind of coming into this game now um, with people, you know, uh, dangerously kind of underestimating them um, thinking that this doesn't look like a team that, um, you know, uh, an England team of old, not that formidable. This is a big chance for us in Twickenham. But I don't know. I think there's lots of things that we need to improve fairly quickly. Um, to have a chance over there. is a very difficult place to go. So I'm a little
2: bit nervous uh, in advance of that, having seen that Italian performance. Yeah, there's a couple of things I might ask, Ian, about what you said, Luke, in a second. But first, a couple of specifics from the Italy game. Obviously, Michael Larry is a guy you'll know very well, you know, training alongside him, playing with him up in Ulster, getting two tries in his debut and very generously turning down the hat-trick by uh, giving James Lowe a handy one in the corner. You know what? What can we you not have us about him
1: you know, down it? that pass anyway, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or Rob Barney for that matter.
0: <laughs> uh, well, that's an ability thing. No, I think um, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because it's such a good sign of a player that they, that, he, that they make the right decision there. I love saying that. It's a good, like everything you think about a good player, that's what they do. They don't ever, you know, sacrifice that for personal glory. It was a great bit of play, wasn't
1: it? Yeah. It sums him up as a guy, you know, I've got to know him really well over the last couple of years. Um, really diligent guy with his training, you know, very good professional. He's a very popular guy within the squad. Um, You know, he he popped his head into the club last week. I think it was on maybe um, Thursday or maybe, sorry, it was Friday. Um, He called in to do a bit of recovery or whatever. And the word had got out that he was starting and the team, we're just preparing in the gym and he came into the, the upper kind of level and we all gave him a kind of standing ovation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we like you don't see that. Totally. Too. Yeah. No, you, you don't see that. And it just it just showed how, you know, how high esteem he's held within the squad. Despite being a young guy, he's really well respected and we were delighted to see him get.
0: The lads aren't slagging you. They don't like you.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. So, uh, Be worried of yeah. a quiet change room.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, um, no, he's he's um he's got up there with probably the best footwork I've seen. Um, obviously he's he's short and he's light, which makes him hard to get. But his his footwork and his acceleration, once he gets your weight, once he he gets the defender's weight on one side, his ability to just go step again and accelerate away from you, he makes good defenders look very silly. Um and nice yeah, handler like, of the
0: football in not he? i mean i always feel yeah. like that's the thing that it's a really nice string to have to your ball if you're like a, you know like kind of like a shane williams vibe ball, from where he can put other people into space too like if you yeah. if you if you mark him with two guys you go mm, this is larry on the ball here now he could as you say he unbalances one of us he goes through this hole yeah if you do that he'll put the other guy through as well like that's a yeah. lovely thing to have isn't it
1: no he, he can he can run and like Aside from his his very good footwork, he, his top end speed is really really good. Like he's he's got on the outside of some pretty silky um, defenders, like Pano. He got on the outside of uh, against Clermont, and you know Pano probably just didn't know who he was, didn't respect him, and just gave him a kind of half a yard. And Mikey just decided, right, I'm going here, and there was no recovering once once he gets past that five ten meters, he's gone. Um, but yeah, you're right. He he can run at a really fast speed and still deliver very accurate passes. Um he works really hard on that actually. And um something I've kind of enjoyed working on him with actually is just like showing him kind of different passes, you know, catch and give, being able to throw the long one, trying to throw the one over the top. And yeah, we've we've good fun with that. Actually, it's a good, good crew of lads who enjoy doing it before training. Um and yeah, look, it was just great to see him get the, get those tries even you can see within the Irish squad they were all straight up to him and celebrating it was a nice touch
2: yeah and it's interesting like, obviously he's played a lot of fullback this season and you know he made his debut for Ireland. but he, I think he said himself that like out half he thinks is his position or where he I think played a lot in school obviously I'm sure you're steering you away so, from you that at the moment
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well like he, he's kind of keeping me out of his spot in, in a way because he, he's been picked at fullback um, a huge amount this year but they they also view that he can cover, um, out half. So if, if for example Billy got injured, then he can step in and, and cover the, the out half spot. And in fairness to him, he he's a he's a he's a very good out half. And um, you know he's because of his natural athletic ability, his ceiling his ceiling as a player is so high. So um, you know he's come on leaps and bounds this year, this year at fullback because he's got the game time more than he's ever really had before. Um, and you know similar to last year. These young guys, when they get a run of three, four, five games, they they can they can grow as a player by twenty percent, um, mm. and it's going to be similar for him, you know, at out half. And like it's great for me being up here and being able to work with him on the kind of long term plan of you know potentially being Ulster's out half. Um, you know, if that's the way he wants, if that's where he wants to play, I'll, I'll happily assist him along the way. Um, but yeah, he's he's got all he's got all the tools there to be able to play out half as well.
2: Hmm. And, and speaking about halves, you know, Ian, what have you made of Joey Carbery over the last two games? You know, Johnny Sexton going down just before the French game gave him a huge opportunity. Then he was allowed to back it up, even though Sexton was back fit against Italy. How do you think he's played?
1: Yeah, I, I think he's played well. I, I was impressed with him away to France. You know, really, really, really tough fixture. You know, it's, it's an intimidating stadium to play in. They're up there being the 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 form side in the world at the moment um you know I thought he controlled the game well in the second half you know the first half was kind of dicey enough but um he hung in there kind of figured it out um I thought he goal kicked well kept the ball in front of us um and yeah I, I definitely thought he closed would have closed the gap on Johnny um a small bit you know and that that gap is big and you don't close it all in one go. Like it's got to be incremental. Like, and he definitely did that. Did he close the gap at at the weekend? Probably not. It was one of those games. I actually felt felt for him because a real pressure comes on you when you go down to 13, like the expectation, as Luke, said, is look, this should be 80 points. Um, And everyone around him was kind of probably feeling that and, you know, The centre partnerships didn't, the centre partner didn't click, you know, Gary went off, then James Hume comes on, Robbie looked a bit rusty um, and, you know, some passes didn't stick. And it wasn't like when, when Johnny came on, there was a massive change and everything started sticking. It was still a bit scrappy now. I know we we ran in a few tries at the end, but it was just kind of the team of the day, regardless who was in there. I don't know if they would have made a whole lot of a difference.
2: Yeah, Luke, what, what what do you make of how Joey's played? You know, as, as Ian said, it was a, a massive opportunity to close that gap on, on Johnny Sexton. Uh, you know, do you think he did enough over the last two matches given the starting job, you know, the opportunity he had? Do you think he did enough to to kind of put pressure on Johnny?
0: No, I don't think he did. Look, Johnny, is the gap is still large there. Like, I think he was very good against France. I was really impressed with him. I thought he looked calm. I still think there's a part of his game that, um, you know, as a 10, I just feel like he just... He just falls off those passes just a little bit too early for me still. If I was playing outside him in the center, um, it would make life very difficult for you because you pretty much don't have to mark him all the time. Now, of course, he has that break, but he hasn't really shown that yet. So I don't know if the big international teams would really respect that from him at this point. Um, That might keep them in front of him a little bit longer, but that's an area of his game. I think I still want to, I'd still like to see a little bit more of that. Johnny is so straight and direct, Um, When he throws his pass, it gets through the hands brilliantly, but he he holds the guy in front of him. Joey doesn't do that well, I don't think. Um, I think a lot of people have alluded to to that, who've played in the backs in Irish teams. So that's something that I think he has to work on. Um, I thought he was a bit of a victim of the team being sloppy. Um, probably on both occasions, actually a little bit. I I I thought there was a lot of, as I said earlier on, I thought there was a lot of similarities in terms of the handling errors and in, in both fixtures and the overrunning of of, of the of, of balls and overplaying things. Um, when there was kind of 50-50 offloads on, when they probably should have just held it and gone another phase. Um, so he's a bit of a victim of that. I think he came in for probably a little bit of unfair criticism actually after the weekend when I really thought he actually did he actually did okay on the weekend. Um, problem for him is that that was a game where. People, the expectation before the game when they have 15 men is that you'd whoop them anyway. Um when they got to 13, like you know, he was pre, he was on a bit of a hiding to nothing if they didn't put up the 80. So um he didn't do that. And off the back of that, look, that's that's as Ian well knows, if the team isn't playing great, like number 10 is usually the guy who gets the, the plaudits if it's going well, but also doesn't get him when um and is very much the focus of of why things didn't go well or didn't seem to go well um when things you know when you have a difficult day out um so that's that's the, the 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 drawbacks of the position unfortunately and and i think you know off the back of that he's um you know he's he's still a, you know, firmly in that number two start instead of really having closed the gap after you know an impressive one in paris and um you know a solid showing against Italy, which we didn't really see because as i said the team didn't play well so i fell for him a little bit uh, to be honest with you will
2: yeah. Ian, one thing about Joey's position, I'd like to get your opinion on, given you were maybe in a somewhat similar position yourself earlier in your career, is kind of, you know, not only battling for that starting 10 jersey for Ireland, but also you're battling against Johnny Sexton, who's, you know, a legend. He's the, probably the biggest star in Ireland at the moment, and probably the same when you were playing and going up against him. And he's the captain now, which probably makes it even more difficult. Does that loom large, even in your own mind? Like, you're not only are you going up against a rival out half who's really good, but it is. Such an icon, and he does loom so large over the team. Like, does that make it doubly difficult to when you do get your chance? Is that in your back of your mind, or even just processing it when you're battling him that you're playing? It is such a big name.
1: Yeah, it is definitely challenging for Joey. Like, you're, when you're competing with the captain in, in any side, it's, it's going to be difficult because, you know, in theory, they're going to be the first name down on the team sheet. Um, from an ability perspective, you know, Johnny demands such high standards of himself and those around him, his ability to get players to do what he wants um, over and over again is a real strength of his. And that was one thing I probably noticed when he came off the bench the weekend. It's almost like the lads are kind of perking their ears and sharpening their their tools when he comes on because if they're not accurate with him on what he's asked them to do during the week in the match, he's going to let them know about it. Um, And, you know... That's that's what he's done throughout his career and, and he he demands high standards and he gets them. Um now Joey from when I worked with him, obviously in the earlier part of his career, has a slightly different approach. And you know, it's it's not to say that one approach works and one doesn't. Um Joey's very good at getting players around him um doing what he wants. Um, but as Lukey touched on, they do have slightly different styles of play. So it's it's about Joey going and working with my cad and and Andy Farrell and making sure that he's providing what they want. And that was what I did when Joe was, was the head coach made it clear that, look, I offer something slightly different, but I still want to ultimately put out on the pitch, what you want as a head coach. And, you know, that worked well for me throughout those times.
2: Yeah, look, it's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, they're different out half. So, like, trying to get Joey Carby to be exactly like Johnny Sexton isn't going to work, probably. And you know, Johnny's such a distinct personality that it mightn't be comfortable for Joey to behave the same way or to, you know, talk to his teammates the same way. Even though it gets certain results when Johnny does it, it is an interesting kind of. You know, I don't know if balancing act is the right word, but like yeah, they're different like, approaches for sure.
0: Yeah, it's certainly like I think there's probably a balance to be struck there. And remember, like that's his first start in the you know, in a six nation, uh six nations match last week. So like there's a certain amount of like we have to give this guy a bit of an opportunity to 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 settle in and get a few more opportunities, you know. So um I think, um, you know, you do have to be assertive. People have to know there's an expectation that you're, you know, you know, provided you're the the issue for him is that Johnny's able to be that way because he's delivered for such a long time on the jersey. So you have that kind of body of work to refer to and say, well, no, I've done this like, you know, and and look, of course, you have to continue to do it. But when he delivers, you know, there's everyone saying, well, that's what Johnny does. We don't know that about Joey yet. So we're still figuring out if he's the man for the job. You can rest assured that he's still thinking the same as us. Going, am I? You know, he might he might believe it, but he still hasn't done it, and he hasn't uh, done it consistently in a long period uh, for for a long period of time.
2: So he's got a set. Look, was it was it not a case? Look, that when Johnny first came in, he was saying this pretty similar stuff, and people were like, "Wait, what the hell's going well, on? What would you like, say? You know?
0: He got on. I wouldn't say. I I would say he's really the longer he's been in that jersey, same as Ron O'Gara with his start in an Ireland jersey, as uh, same as most tens takes a long time to really flourish in the jersey like i would say johnny sexton definitely had a difficult spell when you know like he he couldn't get like ogara was was definitely past his best i thought um i'm sure Rod would say the same thing um but he couldn't Rod had all the experience he had all the know-how he had the respect of the guys um and that's so important at international level um you know because he was able to keep you know he was he was able to share that jersey he was able to get some of the big matches when johnny was you know same age as, as Joey is. Um so you can't say that Johnny went straight in there and was the player he was. Yes he might have had that personality but can you say that that worked? I don't think he can. I think we can say subsequently and now having seen all the information and all the performances that yeah look that that has worked for him but it's because he had time in there. Um you know so I think there's a, there's a, a bit of that with Joey and look of course you have to be assertive like Ian you can hear Ian there saying you know, talking to the coaches, like be, you know, and, and that's a big point, you know, figuring out what they want, figuring out, of course, what you bring and, and, and where, where that fits in, in the picture, because you do need to show something different. But he, he has to do all those things for, for a period of time. So um, that'd be my view on that. I think the personalities, of course, are going to be different. um, uh, But at the same time, he has to be, he still has to be a leader. um, And I think he needs time for that.
2: No, it's certainly an interesting discussion, it'll be interesting to see even the team that's picked next week when it when it comes to England if Johnny Sexton does get back in there. Ian, like just looking at some of the other games over the weekend, like France for Scotland, you know France getting their third win in a row, a Grand Slam still on. It was an interesting game, like France played some unbelievable rugby at times when Scotland had that great chance just before half time to to maybe go in with the lead and they and they butchered it, and then France kind of ended up running away with the game. But you know what what's your kind of feel for the French at the moment? I know you were kind of pretty early on when you came on the show a couple of years ago pretty bullish about their prospects and do you think they're the best team at the moment in the the competition do you expect them to go on and kick on and maybe get that elusive trophy they've been looking for
1: yeah I, i think they're going to do the grand slam um i didn't at the start of the competition i thought england would beat them at home um now obviously that hasn't happened yet but and i wasn't certain that they were going to beat us away i thought it was going to be a really tough game and it was going to go down to the wire. I didn't think any team would do a grand slam this year and I thought it was going to come down to um you know points difference probably between two teams. Um but yeah, I th- I think I think they're the form side in the competition this year. They've got real depth. They've got some superstars in their team. Um across the board, nearly like Penno is just incredible. I I love watching him play and um, the halfbacks are probably the best halfbacks in the world now and they're only going to get better because of their age profile they've got good balance as well it's it, it's it's very hard to play against that when they've got the power game but they've also got the ability to go around you um they have a clever kicking game as as, as I'm sure Luke will, will touch on which makes it really difficult um for the backfield guys and it makes it more difficult for you to defend aggressively getting off the line all the time. It will be very interesting to see what England do against them. Um, because one thing I will, I will say about England that I have been impressed with is they get off the line well. For me, they're a side that's probably more comfortable defending than attacking at the moment, which is never a good thing in my opinion, especially if you're you know, one of the big sides like England. Um, and like for me, the second half against Wales just passed them by really. Um, and they nearly got picked by Wales at the end. They just didn't impose themselves on the game from an attacking perspective. But when they were defending, they seemed happy enough. Um, and they do get off the line very well. And, you know, traditionally they're very hard to to attack against.
0: What do you think they're kicking in? Sorry, I know we probably want to touch on France, but just to talk because England are probably, you know, they're, they're our next opposition. I think they've kicked unbelievably badly so far in the competition and they've kicked a lot. What did you yeah. have?
1: Have you made, have you any views on that uh, part of their yeah, game? Like, like I'm not a massive man on on stats, but you know I'll, I'll still I'll still read through them, and you know if I see one that I think is interesting, um, you know I might talk to some of the players better or talk to some of the coaches better. But an interesting stat out of the Premiership was the team that's coming first is Leicester, right? And they have kicked the most in the Premiership. The team that's coming last in the Premiership is Bath and they have kicked the least.
0: But isn't that a thing across rugby all the time? Don, New Zealand always kick the most. South Africa looked like they kicked the most. Isn't it, is it generally a common yeah. theme? But they're kicking so badly is what I can't get over. Now, that's yeah. kind of probably more, more what I'm getting at.
1: So, like, where is your frustration? Mean, like, the box kicking side of things, or I
0: just feel like there's been some aimless stuff. You know, I just feel like they don't look like there's a really concerted plan in place to like, are we going to attack this player? Are we like, are we chipping this week? Are we? It feel like it feels like there's a bit of everything. Um, whereas I think when a team is doing it really well, you, I feel like you get a, you really know what they're targeting. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like they're ball. It could be ball and play. It could be. You know, we're going to be. You know, we're going to target that chip space because there's massive line speed against whoever it is this week, and we want to negate that. We want to give a little bit of doubt in there. We want to go for fifty twenty twos. Um. You know, we're going to go for the high ball instead of going long and, and finding ground. Do you know that kind of way? I just feel like they have it, I, When I look at them, I go, "What are you actually trying to achieve here?"
1: Yeah, I think Farrell is really missed there. That's the the key ingredient to their good kicking game. Um, and we actually trained against him a few times when I was with Bristol and the way he controls that kind of kick battle and when it was him and Ford they were very very hard to play against you know whereas you look at it now and you've got you know Marcus Smith there not that he's a bad kicker but it's not his game he's, mm. he's, he's a guy who he's always looking to attack wants to play on the front foot wants to play flat it's it's very hard from decide. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick and decide to do that late, um, and then Harry Randall traditionally isn't really a kicking nine either. And we saw that at, at the weekend when he does de- decide to kick, everything slows back down again. It's not his natural game. His natural game is playing, you know, going with to width, playing with tempo. Um, so yeah, like I've I've said it about the English team. I don't think they're well balanced in a in a few different areas. Like they haven't found like you're not looking at that centre partnership going. That's going to carry them through to the next World Cup. Um, mm. the back three, I I like Freddie Stewart. You know, I think he's a very good player. But there's just I I can't put my finger on it. But that back three is just seems to be missing something. I don't know if it's if it's balanced. I'd say the same about the back row. I think they're they're kind of similar players. They don't have enough you know, a, a traditional big ball carrying six, an offloading eight, you know, a seven who's very good at getting on the ball. I think they're all quite similar. And at international level, you nearly need that kind of point of difference from each of them.
2: Ian, do you think they missed that kind of Saracen spine that for one reason or another, I know Farrell is obviously injured, but the Vinopolis kind of their form or maybe was was maybe wavering and Eddie Jones has cut them completely. You know, to be fair, they probably weren't playing as well as they had, you know, when they, in 2019, when they got to the World Cup final, but they did, give that team a certain identity and they brought their club form into it and they made them very formidable like Eddie Jones has kind of tried to retool things but do you think they, they are missing those guys in some ways obviously maybe their form was a bit off but that kind of
1: identity maybe they brought yeah like they're... I do think they like that they are missing that like traditional identity that you would get with with um, with England and even if you look at like you know Ellis Gange and Sinclair like guys who are, like I love how they play I love seeing them play for their clubs Um, Marcus Smith Harry Randall like they're guys that are great to watch and but traditionally like England wouldn't have necessarily gone with those kind of players and and for whatever reason they've gone away from the kind of rock solid you know Maka Vunapolo Billy Vunapolo obviously Owen Farrell's uh, injured at the moment but that compounds the kind of change to are we just trying to pick more exciting players or are we trying to pick you know, a team that we know is going to just crush a team like England two years ago are beaten Wales by 25-30 points. Yeah, we got at the weekend, and
0: and even a better Wales team. Like, I, it's funny, isn't it? Because I really don't think when you look at England that they've figured out what they really are. You know, like if you like traditionally an English team to me is big, strong pack. Of course, they have a few mobile forwards, really, really organized, formidable at the set piece. Um, you know like incredible defense and any mistake you make they punish you and they have a great kicker always um, with some real pace out wide that will finish off opportunities if they're given the, 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 the chance which they generally are because their pack is usually in, you know very very strong with a very strong bench I just don't see that in this in this team you know and I think um, it's a bit of a mishmash of kind of players who are playing very well in the premiership but are they really is, is it the right team? Sometimes you pick, you like picking the best players who are playing the best isn't always the best team. Yeah. Um, and what I mean, it's kind of touching on your point about kind of division of labor and like specializing. So having people who do certain things that you have to have on a rugby team and um, and having those players in each position as you say there's lots of people who look kind of similar in that back row you might argue the same about, about the two props maybe to a certain extent even though I think they're probably still the two best props but just for an example yeah. there's lots of people doing lots of things that are you know kind of would you say you know that's an English team of old where you're going to send Jesus like that player is the best in that position or that player is just a brilliant rugby player I feel like they've loads of brilliant rugby players playing well at the moment but are they actually a purpose-built team to you know, deliver on a strategy. I don't think so when I watch this England team. And I think, look, while I'm always nervous about saying we've got a good, we certainly have a good chance of going over to Twickenham. I feel like that's the biggest flaw with this England team is that I don't really know how they play or how they're thinking of playing. And I think it ties into the kicking strategy as well, where I'm not really sure what they're trying to do there either. Um, So look, they are there for the taking, but like I said, there's lots of bloody good rugby players there and they're still playing at Twickenham. So I am nervous about it. Um, but I feel like they're a team with problems
2: and an identity problem is probably the the main one. Yeah, Nina, as as an out-half, like how important would the return of Manu to a laggy be, do you think, to that team? Obviously, I think Eddie Jones is certainly putting a lot of stock in getting him back as maybe being one of the key things that could drive them forward. Obviously, he was picked to play Wales and picked up a hamstring injury, so we don't know if he'll be fit for the Ireland game, but would he make as big a difference as maybe the English are hoping, do you think? He's obviously a phenomenal player, but could he be the kind of the, the key man to maybe m- mesh some of these things together.
1: Yeah, I, I do think you'd make a big difference. Like all the you know, again going back to the premiership and, and as well the URC sides that have gone well this year, um a big ball carrying centre is a key part to all the teams that are going well. Like you look at Harlequins, they've you know, Estherhausen, Munster, D'Olande, Ulster, McCluskey, Leinster um, with Robbie, you know, Connacht go well, and there's the likes of Tom Daly to do the hard yards Bundy. in there. Yeah. Bundy, obviously. Um, you look at any of the sides that have gone well, they've got that 12 who can run really hard, get the hard yards, get you back to the game line, but also can ball play. You know, the traditional play that we see, nine across 10 to 12, 12 takes it up the line, 13 short, 10 at the back. We see loads of teams running that that shape. Um And having a 12 that runs that really well, to suck in defenders, to then release your out half, your winger, to then create space for your back three is huge. And the centres that are in there for England at the moment aren't giving them that. So that is something that, you know, because of his size and his power, you have to respect him with, with two defenders. He has to be double tackled every time. And he's actually good enough as a ball player to take the ball to the line at the last second, pull it back. And those two defenders are still sucked in. That has a knock-on effect on everything. Like, it gives you the, your your team the ability to go to width, get the gain line. Your forwards then for the next two phases are playing on front football, and with that English pack, like they'll batter batter you for the next two phases. And then it's like, right, it's the backs go to go again. You're playing off front football. You've got your back line back together. Marcus Smith's got two, three, four options at the line, picks the right one, and they've scored in four phases. They're just not getting that. They're not. You're not seeing that kind of structured play and structured attack that uh, when England are at their best, they're up, you know, they're up there at the very best in the world.
2: Yeah, I think Manuel Trudagi is a very good record against Ireland as well, so if he does get back fit, it, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Luke, just to go back to that France-Scotland game we were talking about as well, I know you were kind of nodding when I mentioned Scotland butchering <laughs> that chances for half time, because even though France won well, like if, if Scotland scored that try, they're probably leading by five points going into the break. It's a very different game. Like they, they uh, could Just well-
0: if they tackled, if they just... <laughs> Tackled like for God, like on, but like guys just losing their. Look, the French can do that, as Ian said. They've got some absolute superstars across the pitch, but like Dupont handing off, um, you know Watson. Like these, these kind of you're just like bad tackle technique. Even the chase, like, oh, he was there for the take. He didn't even need to be that aggressive with him. He could just sit off him, and he probably would have passed it or kicked it. Like there's a there's a way to manage these guys, these brilliant players that if you're using your head and you don't panic you can you can survive and you can manage them but like they just made every mistake possible even that try in the corner where they throw the ball back in and everyone is trying to like the guy the french player is clearly uh being tackled into touch but someone else piles in to try and lump it like to try and really you know make a hit on him if he just stays in the position he catches the offload and there's no try like there's, there's all these kind of weird things and then even like the 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 the, the wastefulness of that opportunity was it four or five on one near five on two, probably more so, like it was just crazy stuff, typical Scotland, you know, just when we think do you know what I mean they 're in Murrayfield they 've got a chance here um to really get into the game, having not played that well or not defended very well anyway, at least um they just blow up it 's so frustrating to watch them um and look, France are great, like we saw that last week, we had a period of dominance in the game if you don 't put them away and take opportunities against them. They will punish you because they've got stars all over the pitch and people who are dangerous from everywhere, um, and they've also got that ability to grind you down if those players aren't finding the gaps. And um, so there are a team in form. You've got to put them to the sword if you get a chance. Ireland and Scotland now have let them off the hook at opportunities to to really put pressure on them. And um, so yes, I think they've been good, but I think other teams have probably let them off a little bit as well. By not look, I don't think either team played well, Ireland or Scotland. So um yeah look france are in a good place um there's certainly odds on favorite they have england at home who aren't playing great as we've alluded to i think that's a dangerous fixture for them though because i don't think they'll be able to bully that england team around um but um yeah certainly they look very strong sean Edwards seems to have had a massive impact on that defense they look claustrophobic there when they're when they've got their tails up um and their concentration is in but that's always going to be a question with them can they do it for 80 minutes i'm not sure they can um and uh there'll always be that question mark watching them but certainly they're a great watch and they look very very strong at the moment
2: yeah you know do you want to come in on scotland there i know some luke made a couple of points
1: yeah like you know when scotland beat england it was a funny old game that like england just didn't get the scores in the board but you know fair play to the scots they hung in there they took their chances really well and you know that's how you've got to beat the likes of england you've got to get the scores on the board when you do get your chances and they did that really well and I thought everyone was like oh yeah look they've beaten England now they won't go on and 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 go on a run like they'll they'll probably lose against Wales and I actually really didn't think that that was going to be the case I was like no I actually really like this I'm a big fan of Gregor Towns and I like the way the Scottish team is I think they've got good balance now some of their key guys got got injured which didn't help um but that that game against Wales, like they were getting Wales at a really good time. They'd been dreadful against Ireland. Confidence was definitely low in the camp. And I was so disappointed with how Scotland played. They just forced it going to width uh, when it wasn't on, getting turned over in the wide channels. Just went away from what had been good for them against England, just being patient, going through like long phases of play and getting their key guys on the ball. Um and you know, the problem is with that, then that then rolls into the the French game, and suddenly they're the team that are kind of riddled with doubt. Maybe we're not as good as we thought we were. Um and Finn Russell's the, the, the he's the key guy for them, really. Like when he plays well, more often than not, they win. He played poorly against Wales, then you know, has to go back and play for Racing, which is far from ideal. Like he's basically You know, everyone else in the competition is getting a break. He's flying back to France, playing a a tough top 14 game, then having to fly back and play again. And it wasn't like he was terrible at the weekend, but he was below his well below his best. And Scotland need him at his best for them to to beat the top sides.
2: Yeah, and I think they have Italy next, and then they're coming to the Viva on the final day. Just before we finish up, we might check in with you and your own situation. I suppose at the moment, I know when you came on a couple of months ago. You were, you were supposed sort of frustrated with how the season was going. You know, what, how are you feeling at the moment?
1: Yeah, good. Like I'm fully fit, and I, I feel like I'm training well. So I put my hand up for selection. Um, came off the bench. We played Dragons last weekend. Came off the bench, which was was nice to be in the 23. And you know, you've got to just creep your way back in there. Um, so we've Cardiff this weekend, and then we've Leinster, and then we're going on tour to South Africa, which is exciting. I haven't actually um toward in the whatever the URC to South Africa. I know the teams did it previously. Um so yeah that, looking forward to that. And then we've to lose back to back in in Europe, which is going to be a, a, a serious test for us. Um so yeah look it's really exciting, you know when you get to the you know the, the start of March you feel like you've broken the back on the season, but the the way this season is this year we're only kind of really halfway through. Um so you've you've still got, like, last 16 in Europe, loads of league games to go. And then it's top eight in the league this year. So it's it's not like it's just a quick semi and final. Like, there's lots of knockout games to come. So, no, look, very exciting time. Good to be fitting well. And hopefully put my hand up for selection and get a bit of luck.
0: And can I ask, Ian, we've, I mean, to a certain extent, this is, this is not a the comparison you probably want to hear, but I, I suppose I've been a bit frustrated watching Ulster this year thinking that, just a little bit of inconsistency, like it seemed like one brilliant performance, and then just one kind of sloppy one. I'm kind of thinking of that M- Munster one down in tone when they were there for the taking after the red card, a few things like that. Now I know they can be tricky fixtures. What's what's the what's the mood like in the camp of that? Is there a bit of frustration about maybe the the I don't know, the lack of consistency? I mean, the, the thing is you're actually in a great position in both the uh, the, the cup and the league, but yeah. I feel like there's kind of there's been a lot of points I feel like the team has left out there. What's your view on, on that? And what's the view in the camp?
1: Yeah, like we're, we're I think we finished second in Europe in the standings, mm. won all our games. It was a big thing for Ulster to beat a French side away. Like, you know, they played Clermont, I think two years previously away, got close, um, but didn't get over the line. There was a different confidence going over there, even from the European quarter final uh 2020 when we played played Toulouse in the quarterfinal there and it just probably wasn't the belief that we had going over to play Claremont you know the, we we fully believe that if we play well implement our game plan we're going to win whereas you know maybe for Toulouse you're thinking you know if we have a good day they have a bad day we get a bit of luck you know that's obviously never said but you can sense it like you can sense the confidence of the squad and um, you know, the likes of Ethan McElroy and James Hume, Mikey Larry, these guys coming through, like they're pretty bulletproof confidence, and there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of substance backing it up. Um, so that was big for us. Beating lancer down in the rds was was huge for us as well. You know, the last time that happened, I think was 2014. So um, you know, chalking off some big performances there. As you said, the the Munster one was definitely one that got away. we even you know, we lost to Ospreys away who I think tripped up Munster as well. Um, So like there's been a couple of frustrating losses thrown in there, but there's nothing like a a loss to sharpen your mind. And, um, you know, both as players and coaches, we've kind of uh, dealt with those losses head on and addressed why things didn't go well. Could we tweak a few things? And generally we've got a a really good reaction the following week. So uh, we definitely feel like there's good momentum in our season and, we're we're building nicely. Some key guys coming back from fitness, and um, now look, it's a, it's a really exciting time up here, and there's massive ambition to to get some silverware this year.
2: Yeah, and it might be a bit early, but obviously, you know, that does Toulouse European games. The two legs this year, obviously, very new in Europe. Has there been any talk even this? Stage about how to approach a two-legged tie you know it's a new thing for all the teams you know you have the, the home and away do you, you know, do you go all out of the way do you try to maybe just come back with a losing bonus point to keep it in it like it'll be an interesting kind of tactical kind of dynamic the way teams approach it
1: yeah and, and, and i'll be honest with you like i actually don't think it's fair with europe this year like you, you could you could make the quarterfinal of europe having only won two games out of six and you could not make the quarterfinals of Europe having won five games out of six. So, in my opinion, I, I thought that the back to back should have been at, at the quarterfinal stage. At, at the last 16, it should have been one plays eight and one's at home, two plays seven and two is at home. And you have a much better chance of getting through to the, to the, to the quarterfinal then. Now, I know there's, you know, it probably comes down to money, like you've got an extra four games that are going to be televised um, if you do it at the last 16 stage but um, yeah I, th- I think look there is definitely an advantage being at home for the second game because you know what score you got to get to um, there is probably a bit of luck involved like you could go over and play, we're playing Toulouse you get them on a sunny, sunny day in the south of France and then let's say they get a 7 or 10 point lead on you but it's a really tight game they score two tries at the end then you come back to um, the Kingspan Stadium and it's <laughs> you know traditionally Belfast weather wet and windy Like, and you put in a Trojan performance and you know beat them up and win you only win by you know six points or seven points and you're, you're you're knocked out so it it is it's a tough format and and what I will say is like I was familiar with it when I was playing in the championship in in um, in the UK in England now I didn't I didn't actually experience it we didn't play it because they they got rid of it for the year that Bristol got promoted but from talking to players they said it was absolutely torturous and Bristol had a few years of of finishing first in that league and falling, yeah. falling at the last hurdle crazy and, scores
0: though weren't they they were mad yeah, they were like, like 44 cricket scores. Yeah, exactly. yeah.
1: you know <laughs> like exactly. yeah. Yeah. um yeah so look it's it's going to put massive pressure on players and coaches and it's going to you know the reality is it's going to come down to to goal kickers a lot of the time because they're going to be arm wrestles those games in my opinion you're not going to see um free-flowing rugby I think they're going to be really really tight like what you're going to see at the last 16 what you'd usually see at the semi-final final is what you're going to get with this aggregate scoring
0: the only thing is though if you're going over you know and you have if, I feel like you know in a, in a group stage if a team is out they can bring over kind of a, a you know an academy type team yeah. I feel like at last 16 you mightn't do that if you're within touching distance of like whatever two three tries whatever it is you could still bring over your first team and just play. Like you've got to play. So there is oh, an element to. Do you yes, know what yes. I mean? So there is a side to where, you know, if, and if you got a sunny day for that match, you could have a, you know, 45 40, or whatever. You could have some kind of crazy scorelines because teams just have to just go for it sometimes. So it's funny. I'm actually, it's interesting to hear the player perspective. And of course, you could get hard done by, but from a, a supporter's perspective, I'm actually unbelievably excited about those oh, second yeah. legs. Crazy. Like, the second legs are... <laughs> He's for the supporters, it's the unbelievable. Support. Like, for yeah. you lads, it's all, like, all it's the hard work could be undone, to, yeah. you know, with, with a bad day out at the office in terms of the weather um, or something like that. Um, yeah, so,
1: not you know, even I, the weather. Not even the weather. Like, let's I say... Know, I know what you no, mean, though, But Like, let's you know, say the game at the weekend. Ireland Italy at the weekend, right? So, the, the Italian hooker gets it wrong. High shot. Like... That's your Europe over. You know.
0: But that's probably your Europe over anyway, if you have one game.
1: Well, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Fair, fair. I'm sorry, I know what you mean though.
0: Like the, the yeah. way, to be honest with you, the the weather one, it was like Shane Larry on the weekend. It oh, kinda reminds me of that. Just get you know, Do you know what I mean? The weather, I, I do get that. You could get sunny weather, they could fucking, you know, they could smoke you. Uh, and then you you know, you might you might actually have a better, more comprehensive win in Raven Hill or sorry, in, in Kingspan. Um, but the weather might be bad and it's not gonna be a big win—you can't get the points differential. So I do get that, but for my mind, I don't know what you what. what do you think? Because you're going to be obviously a, a you know an ish neutral uh, spectator. Like I think those second legs are going to be
2: unbelievably exciting. No, I think it as an said it's going to be great for the spectator. I do agree with him though about the fairness piece. I don't really know if it's fair or unfair who goes first, who goes second, until I've actually seen it play out. Because if I was an Ulster fan or player, I would want to be at home first, where Ulster are very strong, and get maybe a win and go to the South of France versus maybe going to the South of France first. Toulouse, after winning a Grand Slam, half the French team are probably in great form and they could run riot. And then you have a very tough task to come home. So I'm just intrigued to see how it all plays out because it's so new. And as Ian said, in the championship, it was, you know, there were some crazy things happening and it was a massive shocks and I'll be interested to see how it all shakes out.
0: Yeah, because I think the championship one was just insane. It was at London <laughs> Welsh one, and they basically didn't want to go up. Really, <laughs> they nearly went. They went bankrupt or something, wasn't it? Yeah. And some of the some of the teams won, and they didn't have the capacity stadium. There was all sorts of weird stuff in the championship. But look, it's an interesting one. I feel like there was probably like. To my mind, this could reinvigorate the supporters who've had, I think, a difficult period with rugby and not being able, not being allowed into the stadiums. You can get very comfortable watching the coverage at home, whereas, like, I think this is something that something new in a brilliant competition with brilliant teams. This competition, I think, is one of the premier ones. Maybe, look, it probably goes on longer, but I, I just love, loved watching the Heineken Cup growing up, and I just feel like maybe this could be something that could get the supporters and spectators back a little bit more involved because I feel like it's lost a little bit of that the last couple of years, um, which isn't right because it's a brilliant competition. So I'm excited about it. I, I I get the nervousness about getting possibly getting shafted, but that could happen to you any at any stage, I think. Um probably easier to get away with it in a one-off fixture rather than having to back it up twice. But I think two yeah, things the my, my better teams
1: yeah. my my issue is the reward for us winning our first four games. Of course, course yeah 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 isn't as good isn't as good as it should have been. Whereas I, I I've no issue with the home and away, but I think it should have been at the quarterfinal stage. Um, the the reward for winning four out of four to then play a team that's won one out of four. I'm not saying Ulster to lose, or, Toulouse, or I'm, not, I'm not I'm not saying that directly, but to just play them home and away, like not to allow
0: th- that hypothetical scenario is wrong. Yeah,
1: that that, yeah. that look that is fair. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that is fair. That's a fair point.
1: So um, I no, I've no gripes with it at quarterfinal stage though. So let's say you know, we, we get whoever, let's say it was Toulouse and we got them at home, we beat them, and then you go to the quarterfinal stage and then it's home and away. I've no issue with that. Like, you're at the quarterfinal of the competition. You know, it's, it, it's fair that it's reasonably level and it's not much of an advantage.
2: That's fair. Yeah, it's a good point, I think, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out in a couple of weeks' time. But for the moment, Ian, best of luck for the rest of the season and thanks so much for joining us. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week. We'll be back next week with another podcast. And in the meantime, you could listen to us on Spotify, independent.ie or on Apple Podcasts. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.